As I studied Acts 3 this morning, um, kind of a question came to my mind, and that is this. Can a person really change? Can a person really change? Um, no matter how you answer, um, I am, <laughs> you're not going to change my mind. I am convinced that most of us, even if we think a person really can change, you don't expect a person to change. Most of, most of us just don't expect it. Um, and our true belief concerning this question, I, I think, is really significant and important uh, because what we believe determines our interactions with each other and with others. Like if we honestly don't expect or believe that people really can change, uh, or if we do have that expectation, it, it drives how we interact with each other and others. Um, and as a result, it determines the impact that your life will have. It determines the impact that this church will have or lack thereof when it comes to impact. Um, and it even determines, I believe, the extent of positive growth that you'll experience in your own life. Like, not even concerning your external impact, but the impact that you will experience within your own life. Whether or not you expect or believe that people really can change. Okay. Uh, so when I got to... Uh, Looking into Acts 3 and considering this question, the conversation that I want to have this morning begins with a reputation. Reputation. Y'all like my picture? It's been a while since I've done a good picture. Reputation. So when it comes to reputations, reputation is a belief or opinion that's generally held about somebody, an individual. So it's, it's, it's what I believe or an opinion about uh, someone. And typically, the older the person, it seems like the more solidified their reputation becomes. Right? Like if you got a sixth grader that's got a reputation, it's like, Puberty may overcome the reputation. But if you have a 60-year-old, then the reputation really gets solidified and, um, and it becomes what we perceive to have a deeper hold on somebody. So we're going to go through a little exercise real quick. I want you to describe the reputation of the following. Okay, We'll give some groups. And give me, man, I hate to erase that. Did y'all get that on the camera so that we have evidence? Like that's my proudest part right there. I kind of like how I threw the axe three in the, in the tail too. Y'all aren't as impressed as I am. Um, give me reputation comes to mind. Politicians. Let's have a little exercise real quick. You're smiling. Zach, what do you got? So, man, did I spell that right? Who knows? What, what, somebody else said something? Crooked. Crooked. Is 
that a synonym? Maybe not. Politicians. Dishonest. Anything else? <laughs> Pretty much sums up what y'all think about politicians, huh? All right, so let's go to the next one. Um, oh, how do I want to write this? The street corner guy. You know, he's got a sign. Lazy. The one that came to mind is uh, the guy that has the army bike in the trailer. Okay, so now, reputation, now, now tap into what you just said. Oh, why'd you say? Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugly. So when she says ugly, not like he has pimples, but attitude-wise, right? What other reputation of this guy? Okay, have a reputation of being addicts. Anything else? <laughs> so kind of like politicians. Scammer. Anything else? Just talking reputations, not accusations, just reputations, right? Um, don't take it personal. Okay. Um, I got room over here. Church people. Mm -hmm. Y'all don't take this too personal. Some of you are like, I ain't church people. This is my first church. <laughs> Let me talk about somebody. <laughs> Let her have it. What you got? Reputation of church people. Fake. Blocking the camera view. Judgy. That's a cool way to say judgmental. They all judgy. What else? Church people. Cheap. Cheapies. It's kind of like judgy. Cheapy. What else? Anything else? Y'all holding back right now. Okay. The other side of the coin. Skeptics. What is the reputation for skeptics? Doubt, resentful. Uh, one that came to mind. Sometimes there's a argumentative. I didn't know how to spell that either. Uh, sometimes the one we can have a reputation for being argumentative about the things we're skeptical towards, right? Anything else for the skeptics? 
stubborn. I could have gone to church people too, right? I got one more. Nope, I got two more. Okay. Old people. What's the reputation of old people? Can't drive bad? Bad drivers. Huh? Hmm? Grouchy. Y'all know I used to think old people. I used to think old people were the happiest people on earth till I met a few. <laughs> I'm like, they got a reputation for being grouchy, right? Opinionated. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anything else on the old people? Y'all are rolling on that one. <laughs> y'all, y'all got some things we need to work out later. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, so one more group. Young people. What's the reputation for young people? Foolish. And them old people are opinionated about your foolishness, aren't they? Young people. I'm going to throw in disrespectful. Okay? Reputations, beliefs, or opinions held, generally held about one person or a group, right? Um, Everybody's got a reputation. Uh, We've all got uh, that. So... Reputation often defines our interaction with each other or others before the interaction even takes place. It's like, what do you believe about somebody um, can define how you interact with them before you even interact with them. So what if if you have a, a favorable, if somebody has, if Brett has a favorable, favorable reputation and I have a, a favorable I can't even say that favorable uh, opinion about him what does that do to the interactions that I'm going to have with him how does it impact our future interactions okay there you go uh, so when the Reputation is favorable, I will engage more um, positively, more willingly, right? Uh, But if the reputation is unfavorable, how does that impact future interactions? Reluctant. There you go. So if it's favorable, if we go to the un, then I'm reluctant to engage. I hold back. Positive, uh, positive reputations, I'm going to draw in. Unfavorable reputations, I'm going to keep my distance. Right? So my belief or my opinion about a person or a group is going to define how we interact with each other and others. Acts chapter 3 
tells us of an interaction uh, and, and how Peter and John interact with a man whose reputation preceded him all over town. Okay, so Acts 3, we were introduced, Peter and John encounter a man, interact with a man who had a reputation all over town. Let's look at it, Acts 3, starting in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 11. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man who was lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when he realized that he was the lame beggar they'd seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed in rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. The man in the text had a reputation. Okay? What was it? He had a reputation. Every day, they carry him to the gate where people are walking in to the prayer service. They're walking in, Peter and John going into the three o'clock prayer service. Three times a day there was a prayer service at the temple. Three times a day all God's children were supposed to be walking through there, entering into the temple for the time of prayer. And this man strategically set up outside the gate every day so that he could ask for money. Been doing it for years. What was his reputation? Number one, it was the reputation of a beggar, right? Um, had a reputation that was to do with his physical handicap. And I'll bet you that he had a reputation for being lazy. And I don't think it was an accident that he, was, he set up shop right outside the temple. Because although church people have a reputation for being cheap, uh, we're supposed to have a reputation for being generous. right? So if you're going to set up anywhere in town where you think you might be the most profitable, I'm going to do it outside the church door. right? So I think he may have had a little, I don't know if it's sleazy or crooked, but uh, he had a reputation of, you give me all these words, opportunistic. <laughs> Y'all know what I mean. 
opportunistic. That's right, right? I, I, the first time I threw in an extra syllable. Whatever the case is, the man had a reputation. Also, check this out. I think he had a reputation. And you may not see it up front, but he had a reputation of being a sinner. A reputation of getting what he deserves. Because interestingly enough, I think the people in his city would have looked at his handicap and they would have said he deserves it. It's his fault that he's like that. Why do I say that? Because we look at John chapter 9 and John chapter 9 retells a very similar experience. This time uh, it's with Jesus and the disciples are observing Jesus interacting with somebody who is handicapped and it reveals how Peter and John once perceived those that were in their city, those who were suffering, those who were inflicted with something. It says in John chapter 9, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. This man in Acts 3 had been handicapped from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? He got what he deserves Why is he like that? Is it his fault? It's got to be his fault. If it's not his fault, it's his family's fault. Whatever the case is, his his handicap is self-inflicted. It's his fault that he's like that. So the man who sits up at the temple every day for the 3 o'clock prayer service, because that's the most profitable place in town, uh, yeah, he's handicapped, but his handicap is self-inflicted. It's his fault that he's like that. He's lazy. He's a bum. He's a beggar. He doesn't want to get well. Just wants a handout, right? It's his reputation. Um, interesting thing happened to me this week. Illustration time. Then we'll come back around, right? Uh, <clears throat> this week, Wednesday morning, I received a text message. I was, I was working on a project, and I got a text message at 8.30 in the morning um, from the mayor of our city. And uh, he says, he was at 8.30, he's like, hey, could you, could you come meet with me at 9? <laughs> I'm like, no. Uh, kind of busy right now, but I can meet with you um, tomorrow. So we set up an appointment to, to come meet with him the next day. I immediately felt like I was in high school and Vice Principal Dedman was summoning me to his office which happened once or twice, so I know what that feels like. Um, but at the same time, at the same time that I was getting this text, um, there had been an announcement made on social media concerning the fact that um, that we had uh, the group that I am the chairman of downtown is the group that hosts Spook City which has like 10,000 people downtown uh, every October. And we had announced that because of COVID and situations like that, it just didn't seem wise to host it again this year. So we postponed it till next year again. So that was circulating. And you know how it goes, especially right now, when you make any decision concerning anything right now, the social media trolls have a frenzy. 
and they were doing that concerning our our, our team's decision concerning Spook City because opinions are like armpits; everybody has them, um, and they all—I don't say they all stink, but they have to be shared, don't they? Um, so, mayor's requesting a thing. Spook City announcement was made. Um, and, and most people don't understand how events like this work, so it was interesting that the social media trolls were aiming their arrows at the mayor. <laughs> it's like they don't even know a team of volunteers works endlessly to do things for a city like this. They're like, it's the mayor's fault. <laughs> it's the mayor's fault. All he cares about is money. Why? Because politicians have a reputation, right? I don't have a reputation. Yeah, I will. But politicians have a reputation, so if there's something in the city I don't like, let's blame the politician because I think he's a sleazeball just because he's a mayor. That's um, what reputations do, right? So entering my meeting on Thursday morning, the potential storyline, it's like, he didn't tell me why we're meeting. He's just like, hey, can you meet with me? And I'm like, if you're going to call for a meeting, this is just helpful leadership skills. If you're going to call for a meeting, let the person you're meeting with, let them know why you're meeting. That way they don't come into the meeting fearful, right? It's just like, hey, Zach, I'd like to meet with you about the wedding tomorrow. Cool, let's do that. Okay. Um, but when the mayor says, hey, let's meet, it's like, oh, crap. So I'm going in and there's so many potential storylines and there's so many groups with so many reputations that I could not imagine what I was walking into, right? So many groups, so many reputations. In my mind, I've got the mayor and I'm like, ah, politician. And then I've got the social media trolls. And then we've got all these other groups and all these things are working and everybody's got something you got the social media guys who are anti-everything politicians who have their agenda, the leaders in our city who are helping to navigate some of these things. Um, some leaders in the city want to change everything, and some of the old people in the city don't want to change anything, right? So there's so many moving parts and so many reputations. This is why most people in our city stay in a bubble, Right? It's like things are confusing and there's so many reputations and so many moving parts to being a part of a community. That's why most of you just sit in your bubble and you keep your distance. Because reputations drive future interactions. And if you have a negative reputation about any group or person in our city, then you're probably going to retreat to your bubble and keep your distance so it doesn't impact you. You want to keep your hands clean. That's why nobody's in leadership. That's why nobody serves. Because as soon as you step out, you step into a big pile of... <laughs> you know what I was talking about. Um, and it's kind of like the man in Acts 3. <laughs> it's kind of like the man in Acts 3. It's like you look around the city... And so many different people groups are suffering and struggling in whatever they're going through. 
but because you don't like their reputation, you're like, Psh, they're just getting what they deserve. Like it's self-inflicted. Why? Because I know their reputation. Psh. And you know what? I don't think people actually change. And when you don't think people actually change, you don't engage them. You're reluctant. So you stay in your bubble and you keep your distance and you keep your hands clean. But I love it. Y'all know I like butts. With one T. But Jesus. But Jesus revealed a new mindset to Peter and John. Because Peter and John thought just like we do. Going to keep my hands clean, self-inflicted, stay out of the mess. Too much going on, too many people groups, too many reputations. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm going to look at them, turn my nose up, keep my distance, keep my hands clean. But Jesus revealed a new mindset to Peter and John concerning the blind man that he interacted with. Um, when he said that there is no fault to be placed concerning this man's suffering. It's not his fault. And it's not even anybody's fault. When we look at people suffering and people struggling, Jesus flipped the mindset that they wanted to have. And he said it's not their fault, but in fact, it's, it, it's not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Why is this man suffering, struggling, going through this, like walking through quicksand, can't seem to be getting through life because of his handicaps and other things? It's not our job to look at him and say, self-inflicted or not self-inflicted? Doesn't matter, Jesus said. Doesn't matter at all. In fact, we need to look at that man and his struggling and suffering and maybe the things that we don't think are ever going to change and have a new mindset towards him and say, this is the way it is so that the power of God can be proven through his life. New mindset. New way to see people. What if the reputation of men, whether it be good or bad, was irrelevant? Going to get in our, our busyness here real quick. What if it just is what it is so that when the children of God engage into it and the Spirit of God stirs real change, all eyes get pointed to Jesus? Like, it just is what it is. Are the reputations in our community messy? Absolutely. Is it like walking through quicksand to be a part of anything in our world? Absolutely. Is it easier to stay home and get in your bubble and keep your hands clean and don't be a part of anything? Absolutely. Is that your role? No. But Jesus. But Jesus comes in and says, get out of your bubble, get out of your little huddle, and go into the place and have interactions with those that you are actually reluctant to interact with. And don't say, you know what? I sat on the sidewalk yesterday with Nick. Y'all remember Nick? Nick comes and gets donuts and coffee from us every now and then when he just happens to be walking by. Nick's homeless. Um, and I think Nick's homeless because Nick wants to be homeless. Right? 
And when it gets cold enough or wet enough, he shows up to church so that we'll put him up in a hotel. Because he knows we will. We'll give him coffee. We'll give him donuts. We'll give him water. We fill his backpack full of stuff that he needs. And we give him a hotel. And I think Nick wants to be homeless. Nick showed up again yesterday while I was cleaning up and walking up and locking up and, and leaving for the day. And um, every time I see Nick, I have to decide, can people really change? If I say no, people really don't change. Then Nick is not worth my time. It's not worth my time. It's just going to cost me money and donuts. It's going to cost me time that I can't get back. It's going to cost us time for hotel rooms and money for hotel rooms. And it's just not worth it. Like, I don't want to get my hands messy because Nick's never going to change. But Jesus comes in and says, it's not about Nick's reputation. It's it. Nick's life just is what it is right now so that when it becomes something different it's going to point everybody to Jesus because when Nick comes in and Nick's a brand new man because he actually met Jesus face to face and he walks into the church and he's walking arm by arm with the people of the church and they're like isn't that that joker that's been walking around our town for years and asking us for stuff it's like huh <laughs> it just is what it is so that when it becomes something different it points everybody to Jesus but if I don't think Jesus changes anything, then Nick's not worth my time. And I'm not going to sit on the sidewalk with him yesterday and help him, uh, help him get his new phone working. Like he got one of those prepaid phone gigs. He's like, I've been mowing yards. And I saved up enough money to get a phone. I'm like, that's awesome, Nick. He's like, yeah, I'm thinking about getting a full-time job now. He's like, I hear everybody's hiring because it's COVID. I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. He's like, but I get to get my hair fixed up because nobody wants to hire me looking like this right do people change is nick going to change i don't know if nick's going to change nick's problem is not his homelessness nick's problem is submission to god and walking in the things of god and allowing god to transform his whole life not his residence right but if god changes things is the spirit of god coming in actually does legitimately bring about real change in the lives of people, then I'll sit on that sidewalk every day and help him start up his phone. Spend the time with him, interact with him, draw into him instead of being reluctant with him. Why? Because I think Jesus changes things. I really do. Um, but our belief about that is going to drive how we respond to people. So, that was a rabbit. We chased it. Now let's get back. Buying into the new mindset, Peter chooses not to walk past this man anymore. So like he believed what Jesus said. It's like it's irrelevant. Whatever the reputation is, is irrelevant. Like somebody's current circumstance, current suffering, current struggles is not, we don't look at them and say, well, that's self-inflicted or it's not self-inflicted. It's say that's so that the power of God can be revealed in their life. Peter and John bought into that. This man standing outside, or not standing because he couldn't stand, sitting outside begging for money day after day after day after day when all the church people come back, and, and you know the church people, they were throwing money at this cat just so they didn't have to engage with him. He knew that. He knew that. But Peter and John believed what Jesus had taught them, and for the first time, you know Peter and John walked by that joker every day too. Every day. 
for their whole life, this dude was set up shop right outside the temple. This was not the first time Peter and John had seen this man. This was the first time they stopped and engaged with this man. But they'd seen him every day. But now because of Jesus, but Jesus entered into their story and they believed something different about this man. And instead of walking by throwing loose change at him so they don't have to engage, he says, look at me, look at me. They engaged with him. And the guy got really excited. He's like, these church fools about to throw some money at me. He said, I ain't got any money today. I don't have any money to give you. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Because money's not what you need. The power of Jesus is what you need. And I'm going to give you that today. Because I think things can actually change. Buying into the new mindset, Peter chooses not to walk by anymore. He doesn't keep his distance by giving away his change. For the first time, he says, look at me. Now get up and walk. <laughs> and for the first time in this man's life, he got up and goes inside the temple for a time of prayer. He'd been to the temple his whole life and never entered in for a time of prayer. He'd always stayed outside and begged. And for the first time, he goes in and prays to the God who brings about real change. While he's praying, it says, everyone else is astounded at what they see. And when, when it says everybody else is astounded, a question came to my mind. Do you think they were more astounded at the fact that this man was walking or that he was worshiping and not begging. I mean, obviously, the physical handicap being overcome is astounding. I get that. But I think sometimes we may believe that reputations are harder to overcome than physical handicaps. And I think they may have been just as in awe that this man had experienced not only change in his body but change in his heart and I think that might have been just as astounding as the physical change that he experienced like he was arm to arm with Peter and John like let me go in there and worship with you like he went he didn't just go walking and y'all remember that did anybody grow up hearing that song silver and gold have I none I asked Andrew to sing that this morning and he said, no, <laughs> you can do it. He went walking and leaping and praising God. Right? Uh, look it up on YouTube. <laughs> I, I think the fact that he was praising God was just as astounding as the fact that he was walking and leaping. Because sometimes the reputations have a stronger hold on us than our physical handicaps. So, verse 12, Peter says, man, didn't we do something cool? No, 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 no. Peter saw the opportunity because everybody was looking. All eyes were on them. And Peter took the opportunity to turn all eyes to Jesus and give him credit for the change. And in verse 16, he says something interesting. In verse 16, as he's addressing the crowd and telling them what happened, he says, through faith, 
In the name of Jesus, this man was healed. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. And, and here's why I think that's interesting. Whose faith brought the healing? By faith in Jesus, this man was healed. He was healed before your very eyes by the faith in the name of Jesus. And when you read there, you're like, who brought the faith to the table? Because this man is just sitting here begging for spare change. He didn't bring anything to the table. It was actually Peter's faith in this instance that brought the healing. Why, why does that matter? I think it matters because of this. There's so much going on around us in our community, in our city, in our neighborhoods. So few people are expecting any change to occur. And as the church, if we believe the words of Jesus, then we insert whatever minute, small piece of faith we have to offer into the city that is expecting absolutely no real change. And, and, and Jesus isn't saying they need to have 100% of the faith so that we can see real change in our city. No, it's like the church needs to have a little bit of faith that real change happens. And when, like Peter, goes into this situation, into this guy, and it's like, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. Well, the man didn't have any faith. He didn't bring anything to the table. Peter brought it to the table. It was Peter's change of mind that caused him to engage with this man. And because Peter's change of mind called him to engage with this man, the Spirit of God was able to enter into the situation and bring about change. As long as the church refuses and is reluctant to engage in the city we live in, nothing's going to change. You're going to look and say it's all self-inflicted. People are jacked up because they don't have faith. People are jacked up because it's all self-inflicted. It's their fault that everything's messed up in their life. I'm just going to stay here and keep my hands clean. When Jesus says, no, 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 you need to have enough faith so that you can engage in the world we live in because you got the only faith that's going to enter into it. And when you enter in with what little mustard seed sized faith you have, then Jesus and his spirit is going to begin to work in the city that you live in. But as long as the church huddles up and says, we're going to keep our hands clean, who's bringing faith to the table? Who's bringing it? <laughs> like the church has no option to huddle up into their bubble and keep their hands clean. When the mayor calls, go to a meeting. Is it messy? Could be. There's a lot of people, a lot of reputations, a lot of moving parts. But what if we're the only one that walks in by faith? Right? What if we're the only one who walks in by faith? I don't. 
I don't even like I think in my past I've had plants like evangelism plants this is how we're going to share Jesus. this I don't even have a plan <laughs> I just think that if we enter in what little small faith we have into every corner and every back alley of this city that Jesus expecting that Jesus is going to accomplish everything that we can't I think it's going to be awesome but I think if we say nope I'm not going to get my hands dirty you know why I'm not going there because those people got a reputation of being difficult I can't change them. You're right. You, you can't. But Jesus, right? But Jesus. Here's my concluding questions. Here we go. Two of them. What areas have reputations caused you to keep your distance? Like what areas have a reputation that caused you to keep your distance but you recognize that you have an open door that you're choosing not to take, right? I thought that, those people, that organization, that, that whatever, like I know I've got an open door to engage in this, but they got a reputation, so I'm just keeping, I'm just staying back. I'm not telling you to create open doors. I'm saying you have open doors. Like there's an opportunity for you to be engaged in something, and because of the reputation, you're currently saying no. Maybe you should draw into the opportunity that's in front of you instead of saying no and see if the Spirit of God's going to do things and bring about real change because you walk in by faith. Like, I'm not telling you what to do when you get there. I'm just saying maybe you need to show up. Right? Second closing question is this. How is your unbelief causing you to guard your own heart these days? Because I think there's a, a personal part to this as well. Um, Jesus may be calling you to open yourself up to him. And because you don't think real change happens, you continue to guard yourself. When he's like, hey, let me, let me press in a little bit. Why don't you open yourself up to me? And you're like, man, that stuff doesn't really happen. I'm just going to guard myself and protect myself from any disappointment, from having too high of expectations from Jesus. That's your unbelief that just, you don't think real change is possible, so you're guarding your own self. Like, I'm going to do just enough to have the perception of faith, but I'm not going to really open myself up to whatever Jesus might want to do. Right? Like maybe, maybe it's time for you to, to like really open yourself up to what God's trying to accomplish in your life. Do you believe that real change happens? 
your answer to that question determines your interactions that are going to happen in your life, whether it be your interaction with Jesus personally or interaction with your neighbor or your city. You may be keeping your distance from Jesus because you don't think real change happens. You may be keeping your distance from your neighbor because you don't real think, don't think real change happens. <clears throat> I would say you may be right, but when Jesus enters the picture, I think real change happens. <clears throat> Where's your open door? Maybe it's time for you to enter it. Um, and maybe it's time to quit guarding your heart so much and open it up to what God wants to say to you and wants you to do by faith. Okay? I'm going to pray, and then Andrew and these guys are going to come lead us in, in kind of a closing time of worship. Um, Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, our church and our family that's here. And just uh, thank you for the room full of kids back there, Father, that... Uh,